What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 57th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric, Eric, Eric Marchin. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm good, dude. How about you? Well, I mean, it's been a while since we've recorded, but I wanted to mention the um, emergency alert uh, oh, yeah. for the Pickering uh, <laughs> power plant, which one woke, I think, the majority of up, uh, yeah. Ontario up, but also yeah. I was terrified because, were like, you? well, I mean, I wasn't sure how close. You were closer than yeah. I was. Yeah. So, um, for those of you that don't know, if you're not in Ontario or in the GTA, um, we have a, an emergency alert system. I, I, I think most places have something like this, where the government can um, put out an alert to everyone's cell phone. And your television and anything you have on. Usually we um, get Amber Alerts. Amber Alerts a lot, uh, but it's for any emergency that they need to notice notify everyone. So on a last Saturday morning, um, my phone kept vibrating. I got scared, not because of the alert, but usually I'm like, who's calling me on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m.? So I, I got nervous that it was, you know, a family member was, you know, whenever you get a phone call at times where you're not expecting a phone call. Right. Um, but the ring is different, though, as well. Like so for me, it was on vibrate. Oh, okay. So all I heard was my phone vibrating. And um, so I got scared for a second, turned over and read this alert. And the alert said uh, there has been an event at the nuclear power plant uh, in Pickering, Ontario. Um, Don't worry uh, if you're outside 10 kilometers or something like there's nothing to worry about, but we're investigating the issue. More information to come. And then it was was just very cryptic, but also cryptic in the way that it's kind of like Like if you were within 10 kilometers, you'd probably. What what does that mean? (laughs) Like we're looking into it. Um, so I, I would, then I think, I don't even know if I'm like, I'm like, I don't think I'm 10 kilometers and I'm like, and it was, I was exhausted. So I kind of just flipped the phone. I don't even think Nevis woke up. Um, and I just went back to sleep because I'm like, well, if this is it, I might as well go out sleeping. So right. I don't know if anything's going to happen. I like your stuff. Although, if anything, it would just probably make us bleed from the eyes and ears. Like it wouldn't be like a an anus death. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you're you were in Whippy, so you're a little bit closer. Yeah. Um, and anyways, if anything was going to happen, we were all fucked anyway. Oh yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it is something that I've. Thought, I, I think about it every now and then because, um, again, this is very much a, an Ontario thing. And hey, everybody, thing. this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Every week, Eric and I get together and talk about nuclear uh, power plants exploding and uh, the entertainment industry. But the GO train. Taking the GO train um, right. to Toronto, you see the nuclear power plant as you're going from Pickering yeah, to Rouge Hill. Yeah, I guess I really pay attention to it, but yeah. It's there. And yeah. like every now and then, I'll look at it and I'll be like, hmm, I wonder if something horrible were to happen. like. You know, how long would we have to, to evacuate? Or, yeah. yeah. We were talking about this at work, too, being like, if you got a note, if that notice was, you need to leave, <laughs> like, yeah. how far away do you need to go? Someone was like, oh, I read you need to go as far as Sudbury, Ontario, which is like a long ass, it's like 10 hour drive yeah. or something. Or like, it's and good luck getting out because everybody's going to yeah. be rushing out at the same time, yeah. right? So what would you do? Like, it's just, and how long would you have? Which is like, I mean, uh, other people, obviously, uh, uh, Chernobyl was very popular on HBO this year. So, Right, but in the 80s um, as well, it was kind of, 
a question of like a, a, a nuclear, you know, attack, and obviously they made movies, TV movies, like the day after, and yeah. and, and uh, Testament, uh, the movie with Jane Alexander, and that was obviously a big fear on people's minds specifically then. But like now, you worry about this stuff, obviously, even with what's going on in you know Iran and things like that, and and so you know waking up to that. At first, I was like, and this sounds bad, but I was like, oh, it's just an Amber Alert. <laughs> I'll just go back right. to bed. But then I yeah. read it, and I was like. The nuclear power plant. And then the thing that scared me the most... Did your sound actually go off, too? Yes. Yeah, yeah the thing that scared terrifying. me the most was the information that wasn't there. Right. It just was so cryptic. And I and, and people do it this, if too. you're outside 10 kilometers, yeah. you have nothing it's to like worry about. It's like when a parent texts you and says, don't worry, but, but <laughs> I need you to call as soon as possible or, or, or get back to me when you can. And it's like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, yeah it was... Um, I mean, I, I guess I was just like weirdly like eh okay right if they if we really needed to get out they would tell us or they wouldn't tell us and just be like oh everyone's fucked let's not make them panic right um which i could see them doing that as well which i have a feeling that's what would happen if if the government knew something awful was going to happen to people and there wasn't anything that they could really do but um but then you have to give people the choice of if if you if they have time to try and like um escape or or whatever you got to give people the opportunity but then that would also cause chaos too yeah i think i'm going to invest in a a underground bunker like looking glass yeah for me it's always been like low-key uh like doomsday prepping like not as like an insane person but like i I, like with everything all the tensions and and donald trump being a fucking moron and and probably going to (laughs) i don't know but to me it was like okay what would i need if shit hit the fan right? right and it's like they're like you need like bottled bottled water um at least a couple weeks of like canned, non-perishable food items food. so um you know always having extra beans or canned food is always a good thing we use some um, of those beans today yeah i'm just kidding yeah we have uh canned food uh i do like beans which is a good thing so yeah dude i don't know like and you're supposed to have it in like a in your closet just kind of there and if you need it to in a a go bag and they always say like you need to kind of know direction wise of like if you need to walk somewhere like if i had to get in contact with my parents or if i had to get to oshawa um and walk there would i know how to right right? and stuff like that so um it's weird shit to think about all that but like i guess i'd be going away from it if it was the nuclear plant but yeah um even then like when you don't own a car or um like and if everyone is trying to leave the city at the same time those uber fees are gonna be huge (laughs) god in the middle of winter too right like imagine if it was something like today where it was like this weather well it kind of was like that was partly the reason for that um emergency going out is that they had like a it was ultimately became a power outage or something like that but that it was a storm and they for whatever reason release that and then later on they're like oh nothing to worry about just just a mistake on our part and i'm like are you kidding are you kidding me yeah so i mean i didn't give it any thought i guess after i, I was eh, 10 i'm outside 10 kilometers i'm good yeah <laughs> i went back to sleep i mean i was as well but i'm still closer to it and it's like oh, when God, they say I- 10 kilometers they probably mean <laughs> i don't know whatever yeah. but I don't want um, to become a zombie. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Um, that was a weird thing that happened last week. Um, anything else in your life? Uh, yes, I quickly should mention, and uh, I kept forgetting to do it, but we did our top 10, or our top 25 of, of the, the two th- of the 2010s, of the decade, and then yeah. also um, our top 
25 of 2019. Uh, one person that I forgot to mention there is, is my brother Kyle. So I'm going to quickly uh, read through his uh, 2010s and then uh, his favorite movies of cool. 2019. Uh, so uh, from one, he only has 27 for his uh, 2010s. So number one, Roma. Number two, Mommy. Number three, The Master. Number four, Whiplash. Number five, The Farewell. Number six, Manchester by the Sea. Number seven, Blue Valentine. Number eight, Force Majeure. Number nine, Drive. Number 10, Toy Story 3. Number 11, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, number 12, Marriage Story, uh, number 13, Parasite, number 14, Moonlight, number 15, Macbeth, number 16, Her, number 17, 12 Years a Slave, number 18, The Social Network, number 19, Inside Lewin Davis, number 20, Call Me By Your Name, number 21, Phantom Thread, number 22, Sicario, number 23, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, number 24, Mad Max Fury Road, number 25, Moonrise Kingdom, Number 26, The Imposter. And at number 27, 20th Century Women. Cool. And then Good his. List. Good list. Yes. And then his uh, top <clears throat> 15 of 2019 uh, The Farewell, number one. Number two, Marriage Story. Number three, Parasite. Number four, Book Smart. Number five, Apollo 11. Number six, Waves. Number seven, The Lighthouse. Uh, number eight, uh, the Xavier Dolan movie, uh, Matthias and Maxi- Maximi? Max- Maxime. Maxime. Uh, number nine, Midsommar. Number 10, Uncut Gems. Number 11, Ad Astra. Number 12, uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Number 13, The Report. Uh, number 14, Honey Boy. And number 15, The Souvenir. Cool. There you go. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry about that, Kyle. Shout out to that time Brad Marchand overskated the puck in the shootout and then lost the game for the Bruins. I don't know what any of that means, but I'm sure he does. And I'm crazy. He's really like, yeah, look at our Stanley cups over the last, however many years. I don't care. I hate Brad Marchand. It was the most enjoyable. You don't like Brad Marchand, but you like Kyle Marchand. Yeah. Marchand. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. True. (laughs) Fair. Um, what else do I need to do? What's part of the rigmarole? Uh, if you guys like nuclear power plant talk, you might like our other podcast that we do, which is a slightly more professional and on topic, uh, where we review new release films. It's called the untitled movie reviews. You guys can get it on all podcast services. Please like, please rate, please subscribe, please share. Uh, we have, tell your dad, we have reviews out right now from a, a series your dad might like, which is bad boys for life. You're going to say do little. Um, no, I don't think my dad, my dad likes the bad boys. Movies. Oh, you're just basing it on um, your dad. Does your dad like do little? No. So there you Although go. he took me to see the Eddie Murphy ones. Yeah, I, I don't know who took me to see the Eddie Murphy ones, but I did see them. Uh, yeah, Doolittle and Bad Boys are first two reviews of uh, 2020, of the decade. Yeah. Um, favorite film and least favorite film of the decade. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's actually very true. Um, so you'll, which one was which? You'll have to But I've to actually, on Letterboxd, started putting together um, list, all the yeah. releases of this year. and just Including the ones you saw at festivals last year. Yeah, so my number one movie of 2020 so far is uh, Sound of Metal. Yeah, that would probably be mine as well, uh, even though I really enjoyed Bad Boys for Life. Yeah, uh, my least favorite, The Giant. More than Doolittle. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so too. Because, I mean, Doolittle, at least you can see what's happening. Right. Yeah, we really hated The Giant. <laughs> we shat on that movie a lot. Um, what else, man? We... um. 
today's an interesting day. I mean, you'll hear this on the next episode too. We're a little behind the scenes. We recorded some things out of order. Um, but yeah, Snowmageddon's happening right now in Toronto. Um, it's almost like you usually can see the, the the houses and buildings back there, but it's been like not white out, but like if you go like a block or two, we're on the sixth floor of my condo. Um, it's snowy as hell. The perfect day to for record some podcasts, and we're gonna have a boards game night uh, later. Maybe play uh, Disney Villainous. Shout out to Disney Villainous. So let's get into what we've been doing and, and watching. I think I mentioned this on our last episode when we talked about like Christmas holidays and things like that. But Disney Villainous, excellent game for anyone who's a Disney fan who likes strategy games. Uh, Nevis and my sister have been obsessed with it. Um, uh, they were very excited because I, I, I sent them a message. There's a new expansion pack coming out, Eric. So did I tell you what this game is? Is there a it's Rumble like- Pack? No rumble pack, um, but you essentially play through as uh, you choose a Disney villain to play as, and um, you you play- is Radigan in there? Is Radigan is one oh, of them? Is that who you're going to yes. play as tonight? I have to. Yeah, okay, you're playing as Radigan tonight. Nice. You'll have to fight Danielle for it because she likes playing as Radigan. Um, you play as a Disney villain, and you have to kind of you you have each villain has their own unique objective. So for Radigan, I forget what it is. Well, he's the world's greatest. Mouse. Yeah. Don't want to call um, him a rat. Yeah. So, he um, his cat. Uh, so say like Hades needs to get um, a certain amount of uh, Titans in Mount Olympus. And it's like a card game, but you have to be like, as racist and, and homophobic <laughs> as James Woods. Yeah. Um, and then you have to like go to different locations and you have four locations on your board. And it's really, it's actually really well made. And, um, and it's exciting if you're a Disney fan and if you know the stories from the villains that you're playing as. So uh, they just announced a new expansion pack that has Cruella DeVille. Uh, it also has the villain from Tangled. I forget the villain's name. Um, I do too. It's been and, a while since I've seen that movie. And uh the one that I'm excited about uh which is uh from Steamboat Willie um oh god what is uh I had it in my head and now I blanked on it. But it's their first black and white um character set that they're doing. Um and uh will we get Russell Crowe and Tucker? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so anyways, uh Disney Villainous super super cool. You guys should check that I'm out. I'm surprised that Crowe is not a part of the original OG collection. Pack. So yeah. what they've been doing is like um I mean if Radigan's in there, I mean that's strange. Radigan might have been in one of the expansion packs. So if you look at the expansion packs, it's smart. They wanted so there I think there's six villains in the main game. Um and then you go through like a, B, and C tier Disney characters or villains or movies, right? So I think they purposely left people out that were super popular so they could um, include them in the expansion packs to get you buy to buy these things, right? right? They didn't want to put everyone in that first one. So like the main one... Gaston is so hot. Gaston's not in it yet. Yeah. Um, gotta, so Gotta wait um, for that one. He'll probably be the next one. That's He's the biggest one that they probably haven't used yet out of like the main disney villains so like the scar was like the lead one in the first expansion pack but then you had like uh um yzma from emperor's new groove as the c-tier villain and then the b-tier villain was someone else and then like the character um, from atlantis which they haven't included yet but i don't know if they ever (laughs) will but i hope they expand it to some pixar stuff and then even star wars i think could be really cool or marvel um but it's a fun game so anyone's like i i 
I've been in a, on a board game kick, and I also picked up Star Wars Outer Rim, which we might play tonight. Right. I'm um, hoping that we'll get the Josh Lucas character from Ford versus Ferrari in <laughs> yes, there. Disney villain is. Yeah, I hope they include some live action one eventually. That'd be funny. Um, Could you imagine like, like a, a mini Josh movie? Lucas? <laughs> just, oh man, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I've been playing that outer rim looks cool where you play as like a, uh, either a bounty hunter or a smuggler. And then, um, you pick up star Wars characters to have your crew on your ship and stuff like that. So, um, looking forward to playing those tonight. Uh, but as for what I've been watching, um, I caught up with bad boys one and two, which I, I believe you did the same. I did. Yeah. And I watched them on 4k. They've been sitting same. on my shelf for a while. So same. I thought the 4k transfers, um, looked good i guess for yeah. what a michael bay movie would uh, would look like i thought bad boys one was surprisingly like nice looking at least when you can yeah i mean it it's like, it's nice, nice looking, as in like yeah the transfer was nice for yeah. like it's very dated though like in terms of like that saturated look that it has like obviously you can even tell sure that you know the 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 Brockheimer Simpson aesthetic even went into you know CSI Miami like it looks very similar I mean obviously Michelle uh what, no not what's her name um uh, oh yeah she's uh, with the mullet she has like a weird mullet <laughs> yeah I, I forget who you're talking about yeah but yeah yeah I know the actress and she plays like the the internal affairs uh officer in the first Bad Boys movie yeah right? I'm looking her up now um. But yeah, I was, it was kind of, like, I liked the first one to a certain extent, but, like, you can tell, like, this is, my, that was Michael Bay's first movie coming off of directing music videos, like, he did the Meatloaf music video for I Would Do Anything for Love, and, yeah. like, you can tell he's kind of bringing that style, and also stealing a lot from Tony Scott specifically and Ridley with the kind of atmospheric look, all the, you know, light shining through uh, windows and the kind of like the smoke and, you know, like Taya Leone's character yeah. living in that really nice, almost like cathedral. I don't know what it is, yeah, but it's like, yeah, yeah. how can you afford that? Well, um, she split it with her uh, hooker friend, right? Sure. Yeah, I guess. But it's still, it's still like, oh, wow, like you have money for this uh, yeah i mean uh, i like both bad boys movies to an extent like i mark hellenberger okay yes yeah, yeah. and she was on csi for a long time right? yeah she well and, she was the co-lead next to yeah. william peterson yeah great um, actors yeah sure <laughs> um i do like the first bad boys more than the second after rewatch i just feel like the it, it their chemistry works a bit more it's a little bit Obviously, it's Bad Boys Two is so excessive at two and a half hours and obnoxious, and obnoxious, and and you know misogynistic at times and and homophobic at times and yep. Um, and although I think Bad Boys violent. has some of that as well, but, sure. But, but you can it tell, is a sign of the times as well, right? Too. But you can tell that Bad Boys Two specifically is like Will Smith was the one of the biggest movie stars when bad boys 2 was being released right. and michael bay had become more like the michael bay we know now because right. even though he was coming from a music video background and he still was excessive as a filmmaker with bad Smaller boys and the budget, rock yeah. and armageddon yeah the budget was being increasing his first film yeah and his his interests being you know racist homophobic humor and you know excessive violence and over-the-top characters and caricatures he 
puts that into the movie, and then they they get longer too. Like the longer his movies are, the worse they are. The the more bloated they are. And like he's 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 an immature thirteen year old boy trapped in you know a fifty year old filmmaking body. Sure. I mean, he was younger then. You, but, yeah, no. but I mean, even now he's oh, still. I mean, look at Six Underground. It's yeah, just I mean, like... I haven't watched that yet, but like even the Transformers movies, like you look at those and you're just like, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. So I rewatched those, and like again, I. I have fond memories of like seeing Bad Boys Two with my dad in Florida when we were on. Like I, every time I would, my family would take me on vacation. I'd force my dad to go see a movie with me somewhere, um, which is something I, I do now with Nevis. Whenever we go on vacation, I force her to go see a movie when we're on vacation. And to some people, they're like, "Why do you want to? You could see a movie anywhere. Why do you want to spend your vacation seeing a movie?" And I go counterpoint i just like seeing new movie theaters and like right. around the world or and whatever. you were a huge fan of of the hit single bad boys 2 yeah shake, shake your tail, tail. that plays a million times oh, it's, it's awful <laughs> it's so bad <laughs> um yeah it's bad boys 2 is so excessive and i remember enjoying it as a 13 year old boy um or 14 i guess i was yeah right? but you grew um, up yeah and um again I still think Martin Lawrence and, and Will Smith's chemistry is great and they're but the first movie I think is funnier and the second one takes itself a little too seriously. Well I think um, I I see I think the opposite. I think the first one takes itself seriously in in the genre that it's playing in which is the buddy cop comedy sure. where the second one literally just lets them run wild and they just don't care anymore and they're just exaggerating everything from the char- like the characters aren't really even what they were in the first movie, they're cartoon versions of themselves. And it's to the point of where like, you know, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence's characters, we'll talk about this more obviously in, in, in the actual review, but they, they don't feel like what they were in the first movie. And they do things in bad boys too, that I think are quite questionable in terms of, you know, ethics and like morals, even for characters like these that are supposed to be a little bit more edgier or, or, or funnier. Like it just feels like they're doing things that are completely out of left field and that are so inappropriate that don't make any sense. And it makes them unlikable. That's fair. I mean, I didn't necessarily have that perception watching it other than it just felt like things went on too long or jokes didn't land or again some of that more homophobic humor and i think the like way that, they i mean like, we talked about this before but the, the way reggie they treat scene. reggie so i think I, it's I horrible. like the reggie scene i think it's funny like um like I, I can see that like you're you're messing around with your best friend scaring your your yeah but when you pull out um, a gun and like say like you know sure like that is horrible then but even now when you're watching it and you have the context of like what's gone on in the world in the last 18 years that's fair but i think again sign of the times thing i i do i know but when you're threatening a kid who's like 16 16 and like i get like the idea that's like oh this is my daughter blah 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 that kind of male alpha male sure sort of protection over um you know a younger woman whether it be a a sister or daughter or something like that like that's i get that Yeah, yeah but at the same time it's like how far they take it i think is too far and that shows you like bay just not giving a shit and even like martin lawrence and will smith at that time were like yeah okay that's fair um I also watched um, the Safdie short film that they just dropped the other day, which is Goldman versus V Silverman. Yeah, which is um, better than Ford versus Ferrari, and better than Batman v Superman. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this. It's uh, only six minutes long, I think. Yeah. Um, they shot it in Times Square in New York. Um, 
uh, kind of just uh, no one knew that it was Sandler and Benny Safdie, Benny Safdie, right? yeah, um, playing kind of these dueling. Um, you know, New York street performers, uh, one man painted gold, one man painted silver, both doing kind of this robot shtick. Yeah. It's Yukon um, Cornelius's favorite predicament, yeah. <laughs> silver and gold. Um, I really enjoy this. It's, it's short, small kind of, it seems like something that they might've just shot, uh, on the off hours after they were finished shooting some stuff for uncut gems, probably just kind of as a experiment. Yeah. Or, and it's or, fun. It's, yeah. it's a fun watch and I like both of them and, seeing them kind of, you know, compete, so to speak, for, uh, you know, the money in New York it, City tourists. Yeah, and it's, it's, I don't know, I mean, yeah, it's it's very slight. Like, slight is the perfect word. Yeah. But it, it's still kind of fun to see but those guys. still, too. Yeah, and yeah. it's fun just to see, like, hey, you know what, we can make this while we're either waiting between takes or, you know, uh, after hours, and they, they are so creative in that regard that they need to be making movies even when they're not making movies, Right, you know? and it seems like just an experiment for them of being like, can we go to the most populated place in New York City with Adam Sandler and, and shoot something? Yeah, and part under- of his mask looks like the Phantom of the yeah. Opera mask. And it's just kind of under the radar, right? And like it's it, but it still looks really nice. Like it's got this filmic look to it. I don't know yeah. like, what camera they shot it on and how they did that kind of incognito, but um I, I think the only person they really would have to worry about being exposed is Adam Sandler because sure. nobody really knows yeah. Benny Safdie. And that's they, what I mean. Yeah. It's still an interesting thing of like you still had to have a depending on what cameras they were using and stuff like that, like they'd have to probably just look like tourists who were also recording these guys, right? right? Um, Fly on the wall kind yeah. of thing. So uh, it, it's interesting how they're able to do that kind of stuff. And I know they did a lot for Uncut Gems. They um, they shot in the streets of New York without blocking any streets off. And yeah, like well, that too, w- listening to the A24 podcast with the Safties and Adam Sandler, they were talking about like how they had PAs and um, people working when they were shooting on the streets and if somebody would recognize Adam Sandler, they would have one of the PAs directly kind of intercept that person that was going to try to like talk to Sandler and be like, Hey, do you know where the, uh, the, the, the 47th train is or where this street is? And so that's kind of how they would do that. Yeah. Cause I even noticed watching uncut gems, you can see people recording him when he's in the streets or you see a bunch of people watching them shoot those scenes. And I mean, it works in the movie to an extent of, cause he's a very, you know, bombastic character. So even if he was a normal guy in the streets of New York, yeah, and he's usually being attacked. so. So I could understand, understand why people would be looking at him so they work it into the narrative in an okay way yeah um but yeah i really enjoyed this short you watched it as well yeah yeah yeah. and i i feel the same way like i enjoyed it i is it does it add anything to the genre or you know the format of of shorts not necessarily but it's just again i like the idea of you know the safties being so creative and always looking for an opportunity to make something that like even when they're not making a feature they say like hey you know sandman you want to go and shoot this thing that we kind of came up with and they're like yeah sure yeah let's do it yeah, yeah. it was cool yeah and i i wish um we could that is it jonathan glazer no who's the guy who did under the jonathan glazer yeah, yeah. jonathan glazer he did a short film as well yeah. that isn't available in canada right no but i believe it's 
owned by A24. It is, but weirdly, like when you try to watch it, it's like it's not available in your country. So, and I know A24 didn't put this out, but they are as they were thanked in the credits because I'm assuming they used a lot of maybe while they were shooting uncut gems, they just did this, so they yeah. probably used some equipment and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it, and I it it makes a good companion piece with uncut gems. I think too, yeah. So. Uh, what else have you been watching? So, uh, I mean, a lot of the new January releases, the Jellicle January releases, you can uh, go over to rogerstv.com slash cinemascene to uh, take a, uh, a look at what I thought of movies like uh, like A Boss or even uh, Doolittle, even though we have a, a, a review coming up, uh, or Underwater. And even though I don't want to necessarily spend too much time on those movies i will say that uh you can save your money on those and wait until they're either on streaming services or planes but i will say with underwater i was kind of looking forward to it in kind of a b movie kind of way um i guess the 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 biggest compliment i could give underwater which i didn't really care for i found it very generic in terms of um what it was doing but at the same time you know like the obvious comparison is like oh it's alien underwater but everybody said that for every you know 1989 uh, aquatic horror movie that was released and there was about you know four of them because they all thought that you know james cameron's the abyss was going to be another alien underwater and it turned out to be closer to uh close encounters of the, of the third kind um but rewatching Leviathan uh, and Deep Star Six, and then watching for the first time Roger Corman's produced um, Lords of the Deep, and then this other one that I had never seen, which is like the lowest tier of them, called The Evil Below, um, you start to recognize like these movies all follow a pretty similar pattern, or at least three of the four uh, ripoffs that were thinking that they were going to be. You know, again, you know, planet of the vampires, alien underwater kind of thing. They always have a crew of deep sea scientists or miners uh, stationed uh, at a company uh, locale underneath, you know, a, a certain amount of water. And then uh, either they discover a uh, ship wreckage or an earthquake happens and it releases a creature of some sort that preys on them one one by one. So, like, Deep Star 6 is basically following the formula of Friday the 13th movie because it's produced by uh, Sean S. Cunningham, who is the creator of the Friday the 13th movies. Um, Leviathan is basically that as well. But what I like about that one the most is that that movie is the purest in its form of ripping off those movies, it plays into those tropes in a more entertaining fashion. And then Lords of the Deep is terrible, but it's kind of fascinating to watch because Roger Corman produced it, and he's in it as well as as a, a company man has a cameo in that role. But it, that's the one that's kind of maybe closer to um, uh, the abyss in terms of what it ultimately ends up being, but it's so cheap and nonsensical at times in terms of its writing. And you can tell it was a rush production production, but then the weirdest one out of them all is the evil below, which is like this really like low budget Island horror movie, which really 
isn't an aquatic horror film. It's more like a ghost story on the high seas. And it's um, about this sort of uh, local sleazy kind of Han Solo-esque uh, boat owner named Max Cash, which is amazing. His boat is named the Vagrant Viking. And he takes this uh, this woman who comes into... It's, it's more like Serenity, actually. Takes this woman <laughs> who's looking for this buried uh, treasure in this ship and then finds out that there's a supernatural force that's after them. And it's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, but then that got me to watch Peter Benchley's The <laughs> Island, not to be confused with Michael Bay's The Island, which is also kind of like a pirate high seas action thriller with Michael Caine from the early 80s. And that movie's actually a lot of fun, but it tanked because everybody thought it was going to be another Jaws, because Peter Benchley also wrote Jaws and wrote the book for The Island. And when they adapted that, they were kind of making it because... Peter Benchley was really popular at that point with both The Deep and The Island being made afterwards. Right. Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, So you were on an underwater kick. (laughs) Yeah. And it's weird because I don't necessarily love those movies. And I think this, what makes those films work aren't the outside forces. It's the, it's like a zombie movie where it's like the people that are kind of battling these elements are the ones that are the most interesting and a lot of them for the most part are all underwritten so you have to rely on the actors themselves and i think that's why leviathan works the best because at least you have people like peter weller from robocop and daniel stern kind of having fun with the roles in ernie hudson and sort of playing that up where like the only good person in or the only memorable performance in like deep star six is miguel farrar um who kind of plays the michael bean-esque role in that movie where he's slowly starting to go nuts when this creature appears and starts picking people off so he's kind of like the wild card in the group cool yeah uh, anything else? Uh, I'm sure I watched a few things on yeah. there, but... Uh, you mentioned most of it, yeah. I think. Yeah. Cool. Uh, moving on to staying at home. Uh, we only have one choice each this week. Uh, for me, I wanted to keep it simple because, uh, again, my second uh, favorite film of the decade, uh, Parasite, uh, is now available on digital. So a slight delay here in Canada uh, because of a mix-up with the print or the digital print uh, being sent to Apple. Um, but it did come out on Wednesday. It was supposed to come out on Tuesday. Uh, it's available in 4K HDR on iTunes, which I don't think it's getting a physical 4K release. No, it's only getting a Blu-ray um, release for now. I mean, yeah. unless it makes enough money, which it could, to warrant that. I mean... Neon has not really taken that opportunity with Apollo 11 either. Like, that was one that also got a physical 4K release in Europe, but not here. Yeah. So it will be out on Blu-ray at the end of January. So, uh, but right now you can get it on uh, uh, digital uh, stores. I picked it up for $17.99, which is a great price, uh, in 4K HDR um, on Apple uh, movies. So you guys should definitely pick up Parasite. And for me, maybe I would hold out, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I would love to see some of Bong's stuff in the Criterion Collection, Um, whether it's um, something like uh, Okja from Netflix, finally getting a physical release would be cool. 
Um, well, this year, um, Memories of Murder is being released through Neon. They're right. going to be rolling it out theatrically before and a it'll physical get a release. new transfer. Yeah. yeah, but to me, I, I he seems like a guy who who's well deserving. So something like Parasite would be great. Or his well. first movie as well. Um, yeah, I think anything would be so. Uh, but I mean, I, I'm glad to have it in 4K on on digital, and um, I'm very excited to rewatch it. Yeah, and I'm excited to pick that up in a couple of weeks as well. Cool. Uh, my pick for staying at home on Blu-ray is Pedro Almodovar's Pain and Glory starring really want to watch this, a yeah. recently Oscar-nominated Antonio Banderas in the lead role as a kind of surrogate version of the famous Spanish filmmaker. Um, beautifully made, meta, but not in that kind of smug, clever kind of way, a thoughtful yeah. movie, a movie that kind of stays with you and, and you think about after having watched it and sort of ruminate on it and it's one of those films that is quiet and nuanced but it has so much going on both in pedro's own career and life and antonio's career and life being mixed within the narrative um but the way how the way the story kind of plays out on multiple uh levels is so satisfying and that final shot of the movie is amazing Cool. Yeah, I do really want to see you, it. I think I you would just... like it. Like even if you're it's it's kind of almost like the we we were talking about this um you know, spoiler, we recorded our 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 58th episode, but like it reminded me a little bit of like what Leo Carax did with Holy Motors where the movie is very much a reflection of, a his, reflection of yeah. his past films. You won't get lost watching uh Pain and Glory or or the way that you know you watch Holy Motors, you enjoy it for what it is, but if you've seen his other films you or know his history, you it. get so much more. Cool. And it's not nar- I mean like you can say yeah, it's narcissistic or e- egotistical, but he does it in a way being self-reflective like that. I don't no, think it's is, and, and it's yeah. very contemplative and yeah. and it's doing it in a way that actually feels like a self-assessment that's and, cool and yeah. sort of looking at old age too yeah and eric did mention next week's episode will be the 58th draft which will be a special episode where we go over our top 20 most anticipated films of 2020 and yes uh, we did record that already yes so will sonic the hedgehog be on there you'll have to listen to find out uh <laughs> okay moving over to talking trailers uh we got a, a a bunch of comic book stuff this week um uh, I didn't see one of these things that I think you added. Sorry, I didn't see. No, that's okay. I was just going to say um, uh, with um, it's Charm City Kings. Kings. Yeah. Um, this kind of popped up out of out of nowhere. It's playing at Sundance. Sony Pictures Classics picked it up for distribution. I believe in April and or May. Mongrel Media has it here in Canada. But what I didn't realize about it is that it's based on the oscilloscope documentary Twelve O'clock Boys, which is about like dirt bike riding gangs in baltimore okay um cool. and it yeah it, it's the doc is amazing if you haven't seen it i highly highly recommend it but for for the fictional narrative that it's kind of based on will smith's production company uh is is producing it so oh, i thought that was cool. kind of cool and the trailer looked good yeah yeah i mean it kind of has like that inspirational feel good kind of quality to it but I mean, I hope more people will at least give that documentary a shot because it is so good, and it is, the characters are are fascin or the subjects in it are fascinating. Um, the world is interesting, and it's really well shot. And I think a little bit of that actually was kind of shown, or like kind of like the the dirt bike lifestyle in in creed like there's that one scene where um right. michael b jordan's running down the streets of philadelphia and they're at the all end of the, the, with the, him yeah and stuff yeah like that that's cool yeah uh 
out of the comic book movies, where do you want to start? Wherever. Uh, let's start with Birds of Prey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we got a new Birds of Prey trailer. Um, we, I think both of us were a little uh, mixed on those first couple trailers, especially the one that played before It Chapter 2. And then we had the other one that it just felt a little janky and cheap, we both thought. Yeah. I I don't know. I came out of this trailer quite positive and um, Well, they're really emphasizing the action yeah. in this trailer and I know that they've done reshoots with, with uh, um, one of the directors. Is it David Leitch or is it the other guy? Uh, I think it's John uh, Stalinsky. Oh, Stalinsky, yeah. yeah. Chad Stalinsky. Chad Stalinsky yeah. from uh, John Wick. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they really seem to be emphasizing like, oh, this is, you know, going to be an action-oriented, uh, you know, comic book movie. So really, you know, we're focusing on the action in this in this one and it it doesn't look bad i still think the cinematography kind of looks too clean and digital but i don't know know, if it works if it works it works right and i have more faith i guess in dc now to just do something you know um original and weird and 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 self-contained so yeah i think the um, only thing that kind of again I'm, i'm i'm wary about is just that this is a sequel to, or at least a spinoff of Suicide yeah, Squad. Which they're saying it, it's not, but no. I mean, it but I mean, it's still the same is. character, even though it, yeah. I'm sure it also is a reboot as well. But yeah. like, it's just one of those things where, and I'm sure maybe when we watch it, that'll kind of leave Make as quickly sense, as yeah. possible. But like, yeah. that's what I'm just thinking of going into this. That this is connected to that. I like seeing more of Ewan McGregor's Black Mask. I thought that looked cool. Um, I, I don't know. Like, it seems like. It's that tone that they tried to haphazardly wedge into Suicide Squad in the editing room. Yeah. But now they've had that strategy from the beginning, so it might actually work this time. Yeah. Um, because Suicide Squad um, was shot to be a very serious, dark movie, right? But because Guardians and, did yeah. so well and tonally that was more comedic. They in the editing room added in a bunch of music and color. I did and some reshoots, editing, and, and and it just ended up being a fucking mess. So then they just eventually um, hired James Gunn after he was fired from Guardians <laughs> to do Suicide Squad. Yeah. So uh, is that full coming circle. this year? No, it's no, next that's year, next year right? with John Cena as Peacemaker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I I kind of dug this uh, Birds of Prey. No, trailer. and, and like, the one uh, thing I also think that's really important for this and what it looks like. I mean, obviously we haven't seen the movie yet. But Margot Robbie actually looks like she wants to be there and make this character work and yeah. is enthusiastic Invested about her. With it, yeah. And if the lead is not, that can also hurt it because, like, I feel like you know when you make three or four of these movies or when you have a, a movie star sign on to do a bunch of these films, by the time they get to you know the third or fourth film, they're phoning it in or they're not interested in it and. You know, I'm not saying, like, I think she has every right to be upset with how Suicide Squad went. And, like, if she were giving a bad performance or phoning it in with this, I wouldn't necessarily blame her because it's like, you know, you put she's so much in, Yeah, and you yeah. put so much into hoping that that character would be something. It, like, you can tell in Suicide Squad, she's trying everything she can to make that character work. Yeah. And it's the movie around her that sucks. Yeah. So now that she... They've taken the best part of that movie yeah. and then tried to... And she's more in control because she's a producer on it yeah. as well. So that kind of goes a long way where it's like, okay, like, I'm I'm interested in it because she is giving it her all. Yeah, and yeah. I, I'm curious to see how they expand these 
I don't know, these individual universes that they're building, or maybe expanding the Batman universe or something like that too, because you have Cassandra Kane in here who ends up uh, being one of the, uh, she's in the Bat family and like uh, playing with Black Mask and stuff like that. It, who is a Batman villain? Yeah. I mean, they even mention Bruce in the trailer. Right. It's yeah. like, it's interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this does. And obviously, and also, she's going to be in the new the Suicide, Suicide Squad, Squad movie. Yeah. Um, but it makes me wonder, like, how. Based on how this does, if it if it is successful, which I'm sure it will be, um, where they go with that character, if they just kind of keep her in in Gotham but doing her own thing, or do they try to introduce Batman or other characters, yeah, I, legacy canonical characters that are popular? It's interesting what DC's doing right now of just letting everyone kind of do their own thing and and not have everything have to tie into one another. Or it seems like what. Um, what they're doing with the Flash movie, if it ever actually happens, right. is, well, is it wasn't is Ezra Flash. Miller on the yeah. The, so that's what I wanted to talk about yeah. for a second. So which I think I've mentioned way back that if they were going to do a Flashpoint movie, which it seems like that's what they are going to do, not and, to be and, confused with the Canadian um, uh, police yeah. procedural. <laughs> yes, that aired on ABC, I think, for a little yeah, because they bought it afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Americans would know what that is, or probably not. Um. I don't know what's on half the time when I see commercials when I'm watching jeopardy or something of like what's on cape or not cable but like you know basic network uh, television network, t- network yeah. television yeah. i'm like the fuck is this show right <laughs> like who is watching this nurses stuff? yeah what? <laughs> chicago veterinarians what the hell is this <laughs> those chicago um, shows are so popular because it's like, dick wolf that yeah. produces all of them <laughs> god bless dick wolf man <laughs> great one name. of the greatest names in hollywood um next to max sorry, Cash. what was i gonna say the flashpoint uh, before i got sidetracked um a great comic book series uh, revolving around the flash that rebooted the dc universe back in the early 2010s, I think. Um, I loved that that series. It launched um, uh, the DC into kind of a modern day kind of thing, rebooted every character. So, um, and then what they were doing with this um, DC uh, uh, crossover on on the Flash television show and and, and Green Arrow and and, and things all like the that. CW uh, shows, DC and it was shows. Uh, and they started that Brandon Routh was on there playing his re- returning as his Superman character from his universe, but as more well. importantly, Robert Wool um, from Batman eighty nine as yeah, the reporter. Yeah, like just weird shit like that where they're kind of DC's really embracing this multiverse kind of thing, which we I think after spider-man into the spider-verse we'll, we'll be talking um, about this with morbius as yeah well. and i'm exactly you're you're on the same wavelength as me it's just that it's interesting to me that uh comic book movies and, and tv shows have gotten to a point where we're getting into some weird shit that i don't think anyone would have ever touched on like 10 years ago because it would have been too nerdy or too much for people but, but you now, have to now because you just can't do the yeah. same thing over and over again and if so, you're going to reboot it you have to go in a completely new direction so this it. multiverse thing is interesting where, yeah, Ezra Miller showed up on the, um, what was the crossover called? Was it like um, Crisis? Crisis on Infinite Earths, yeah. right? And um, so Ezra Miller showed up and he had an interaction with Grant Gustin's Flash. I haven't seen any of that show. I haven't either. I haven't um, seen any of them. The CW shows are just not for me. Same. <laughs> um, Nothing against if you like them. Just, no, it's just, cool. It's, it's just, not, yeah. they, CW in general has just never jived with me. Um, uh... Like anything, you never watched Buffy? 
No, dude. Oh, interesting. Because, like, yeah. cause, like, even, like, a show like Buffy was, like, kind of, like, you know, in our age range. Yeah, right? I like, know. You know. I, I mean, My cousin, Melissa, I think, really liked Buffy, and, and maybe my sister, I forget. But um, anyways, like, that crossover, and including Ezra Miller there, I think is alluding to Flashpoint, which I think, with what DC is doing, it gives them a way to explain what they're doing a little bit and have people go, okay, Todd Phillips Joker movie and Suicide Squad and Aquaman and now Wonder Woman they were all kind of connect not Todd Phillips Joker but the DCEU um were all kind of connecting but now we have these singular movies well, like because it didn't work yeah right? and like, now no you can cared. have a way of going yes uh there is a multiverse and Todd Phillips Joker is in a, its own universe and um now Wonder Woman and Aquaman are it's separate now because there was this It seems event, a little like, vague on those ones yeah. though as well because both Wonder Woman and Aquaman are huge box office successes. Like, I can see them kind Their of just... Their first films were part of that universe, yeah, sure. But- and I could see them being like, okay, you know, DC, DC and Warner Brothers will be like, you know what? We'll let them have their own self-contained stories and not necessarily have direct connective tissue to... But we'll hint at it. Yeah, and, and, and see if we can rebuild it. Like, I feel like they'll rebuild it down the line. But I agree. With Todd Phillips' Joker, like, that's an offshoot kind it's of thing. It's Elseworlds stuff, right? So, yeah. like, and that there is a way of going, hey, and, and Matt Reeves' Batman, we have no idea how that's going to play into things if that's, like... If it does. If, if it's if his anything, own thing. That's what I mean. But something like this can explain that or why we could have two different Batman, right? Like, um, we could have the Batman in the Harley Quinn. Or two different Jokers. Yeah, exactly. Like, Jared Leto's Joker can exist in one universe and we can never go back there ever again. uh, Somebody needs to recast um, that role. and, And then... The Joker can live in Todd Phillips' universe. There can be a Joker in Matt Reeves' universe, and, and it's we're starting to get to a point where people can actually comprehend that and not be like, "That's weird." Like, why right. is there a Joker in that movie that's different than the Joker in this movie? Right. And I think that's kind of cool. And like that means we could eventually get uh, Tim Burton coming back and doing a Batman Beyond movie with Michael Keaton or something, which like I would that. be down for. And like, but I, I like the idea that Warner Brothers and DC are at a point now or, or comfortable enough with saying, like, okay, we can. We can trust the audience to understand that this continuity or this canon doesn't necessarily connect with this one. But then at the same time, I do question it a little bit, and this will lead into our our uh, next trailer with New Mutants. Part of what I think you know, Dark Phoenix didn't do well was because it didn't have the brand name X-Men on the title. Joker is a popular enough character that people know it just from seeing it, where when you see Dark Phoenix, you you know, some people might not clue into the fact that it's a part of the X-Men universe. Even if it's the third in it, or fourth. Yeah, and, and with New Mutants being called New Mutants, but still having the reference in that tagline like it's like a new beginning or something like new class or something like that um is still a part of the x-men universe that has now been debunked right like it's 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 strange with that trailer and i I actually like this trailer more than the last one because they are playing up the horror more and obviously there's been this whole online debate of um you know what cut of the movie we're going to see now that it's going to be the original version that was in originally intended and all this kind of stuff but it it's a curiosity on some regards and then like i you always hope that the movie is going to be good or just at least interesting but i do wonder what the fate of this film is overall because if a movie like new mutants does well 
what do they do with it? Do they bring it yeah. back into the Marvel Studios fold, or do they just kind of say, like... I don't think like, they do. I think they just leave it one and done, man. Yeah. Like, if it's successful, it's well, successful. Well, if it makes, like, like, $100 million. I think that just helps them when they Not that I say it's going to, but... but what I'm saying is, like, I think that still just helps them uh, build the X-Men brand even more, right? Right. And, like, I, I don't think... I don't know. I, I We are living in an age where everything gets a sequel if it makes a, a certain amount of money, but I think it's... It's easy if it is super well received and and does a lot of money. You do the MCU, uh, X Men, and you go from the studio that brought you Iron the Avengers Endgame like Morbius. and New Yeah God, <laughs> and we'll talk about that in two seconds. But yeah, I'm with you. I like this New Mutants trailer. I um, I'm curious. I I think if anything, it'll be good, and then we will probably forget about it. Right, and like which is fine. I I think a one and done. We talked about Watchmen and and being. I'm kind of glad that they're not really pursuing a second season of that. Like something can just stand on its own. And I know X-Men ties into this X-Men universe. We we've seen a hundred movies from, but, um, but what happens also if this movie is setting up another film, because there were rumors that Antonio Banderas was at the end of new mutant nightmare. No, what, what was the character's name? I forget. Mr. Sinister, Mr. Sinister or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they take that part out. Maybe they just don't set it up for future movies. Like, Maybe that's the one thing Disney's just like, you know what, we're probably going to get away from this, so maybe let's not have a tease to uh, another movie or something, right? Like, there were those, like, a lot of movies have done that and then backtracked on that, whether it's, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves and in, in Hobbs and Shaw and things like that. Those rumors of, like, someone was in a post credit scene as, like, the villain or something like that, right? Right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm. At this point, I have no expectations for New Mutants, so it's just Neither like... Neither do I. So it's like, I'll go see it, and if it's enjoyable, I, I, I hope it's just one and done, and then we can move on and get Mutants in the in the MCU, right? So, um, and that will happen. It's just a matter of time, whether it's... But again, with something... Talking about multiverses, and let's, let's go into Morbius now. Um, From the studio that brought you Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man we, Far From Home, and Venom. And we have a news story coming up about Scott Derrickson leaving Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So we're getting into this topic of multiverses. And, and uh, the Morbius trailer, which I think is terrible, but um, <laughs> just <laughs> straight up. But... Uh, Jared Leto accepting a Nobel Prize for science. You know what was the least believable thing in that whole trailer? The funniest thing about that trailer, uh, I watched it and I was so disinterested that I exited out of the trailer before Before, the stinger. So when you messaged me and you're like, oh yeah, that last shot though. Because what I was saying in in, in the text is like, I didn't want to care about this movie. And I would still go and see it and and give it its shot. But it's like, as soon as that stinger happened, I'm like, you fucking yeah, assholes that's exactly <laughs> it dude and you messaged me and you're like that stinger though and i was like oh fuck what i miss because <laughs> i shut it up i right when the morbius logo pops up right. i'm like I'm, yeah i'm good i'm out yeah <laughs> I'm like i'll see it and as you should you. be and i was like i have no faith in the studio that brought me venom right. um so uh, again i'll give it a fair shot just like you said i i Maybe it'll to its benefit. I'll go in with going. I'm not expecting. Well, there's only one reason why I I have any interest in it now, and it's because of that stinger, and it's because who's in that stinger. So, what we're alluding to is um, at the end of the trailer, Michael Keaton pops up, and he's like, (laughs) hey, Michael Morbius, uh, good to see you, pal, or whatever he fucking says. And I'm just like, I had the same reaction. I was like, you 
fucking dickheads. Why? Why? And I'm like, ah, so now I'm confused. So we can go on a rant for a second. Right. Well, they're, they're, the other thing in this trailer, yes. which I'm sure you were about to pull up, or uh, pull out, uh, pull out, <laughs> uh, bring up. Um, is that there's a shot in the trailer where uh, the titular Morbius, uh, played by <laughs> Jared Little, um, was uh, walking down an alleyway, and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on the fucking wall, Matt has had nothing to drink. By the way, no, I, I haven't. To... I'm not drunk. We've recorded for a while, and I couldn't speak. And you'll see on next week's episode, I can't speak. Um, anyways, on the wall, there's a poster of Spider Man. And it says murderer across of it. Across of it. (laughs) uh, This fucking trailer drove me nuts, dude. And you'd think, oh, yeah, okay. So they're now alluding. That's a hint that this might be in the MCU. We just spoiled that. And they kind of teased that it was with with, uh, Michael Keaton at the end. But even even the titles, though, Um, with like the same studio, like it's basically saying, yeah, like this is all connected. And um, but the costume that Spider-Man is wearing is the Sam Raimi Spider-Man costume, which another layer on top of that is actually a screenshot from the Spider-Man PS4 video game um, because that's an alternate costume. You so this is I- either an oversight um, or... How can it be an oversight, though? It could, be, it could just be lazy. It's like, do, do we have an image of Spider-Man we can use for graffiti purposes or like to put on the wall it's like yeah we got this just throw it up there but it could also be something that's hinting at maybe again an into the spider verse which i think is what it is right so, but it might not be it might literally just be la- mcu yeah. lazy studio do you know, think maybe that's design. part of this the deal that they made well i know they shot this before the deal with Disney happened, correct? With yeah, or it was greenlit like right yeah. around that time. And I think maybe the deal was done as they were finishing shooting. Well, maybe so. that was also the reason why they couldn't work out the rights with Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, after uh, Far From Home or like around that time, because maybe Sony was like, "Well, this is what we want to do, doing, right?" Yeah. And we we are bringing Venom into it now. With I mean, Venom Two comes out this year, right? So does it? I think so. Good lord! I think yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah, c- yeah, because it's I think it's October yeah. or something like that, like the original. Yeah. Um. So it, it feels maybe like that's also part of why they had problems negotiating a deal. Not and then just eventually of Tom Disney. Holland. And remember, there was that quote from Kevin Feige, and was like, "Well, this Spider Man's going to live, you know, the Sony universe and the Marvel." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh no!" Yeah. And then so I hope what happens is. A multiverse thing where maybe that costume is the Tom Holland Spider-Man costume in that universe. And it's kind of a blend of the Sam Raimi movies, but maybe it's the Sam Raimi movies how... I don't know, like... But, but it's also it's also complicating things further because Morbius, I mean, for a lot of people our age especially, know him best from the, the 90s series, series yeah. and he would always be partnered up with Black Cat and Blade. And Mahershala Ali is going to be playing Blade in his own movie down the line. So is this going to connect to that? Is And, and, and his powers, the powers that he has with echolocation, they look more like uh, Nightcrawler's powers. Like, yeah. There's a shot of him like running up the side of the wall, and it looks like the same shot yeah. of him in the White House in Nightcrawler in the White House in X2. Yeah. So for me, it's either they made a deal and said, "Okay, um, Sony, you can do what you want, and we might use 
some of your villains or whatever after you do these movies with them in the MCU or or they might be building um, to the third Spider-Man movie which might be their take six, on their Sinister yeah. 6 because like the other the, the the only other character that I could see them like either introducing in the third Spider-Man movie or um in uh, another film either before or after is Craven. I think Craven's the one other character that they kind of Neat. Probably, I mean, Doc yeah. Ock as well, but Craven's like kind of the guy. Craven that sets, makes sense with sets the it up. Uh, with what the plot line looks to be right now, right. too, with Spider-Man being a murderer and his his identity uh, uh, being known and things like that. So there are theories out there that the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, um, Spider-Man could be in that movie, and then that will kind of explain and Blade too. Um, I've heard Blade is going to be in there as well. Yeah, so maybe that will tie into Morbius in the Spider-Man movies moving forward, like, and maybe Spider-Verse even, right? Like, again, you've already kind of set up these things and then that lets Sony play with Tom Holland in multiple universes, right? And like, maybe this Spider-Man has to escape the MCU for a little while because he is known, I don't know, like to be, uh, his identity is known or something. I have no idea. Right. um, Or maybe he has, he jumps back and forth or who the fuck knows. Could you imagine if like, these and the animated Spider-Verse are all tied together and like they even try to bring back Tobey Maguire and I could see it happening. Andrew Garfield. I could see it happening. I don't know if they would get them uh physically, but like in the next Spider-Verse movie, I think they even talked about how they tried to set something like that up right. in in uh into the Spider-Verse, but I do think you're eventually going to get something like that. And th- that costume being in that trailer cannot just be an oversight. That doesn't make any sense. But it could to me. be as well. Like, it I could. mean, ultimately, like, say if, you know, we're overthinking things and, like, sure. literally it is, like, that, that happens all the time where, like, the studio will just take the likeness of the, the character that they have. It might have been a temp image too. Yeah. Where they just threw it in there. Yeah, that then, as well. Or, I yeah. mean, maybe, like, they, now that people have, locked on to that maybe sony removes it or updates it in post-production yeah um i have to go to the bathroom talk about lovebirds for a second oh yeah okay so uh lovebirds is the new rom-com starring kumail nanjiani and Issa ray of uh insecure fame on hbo it's a really good show you should check it out i think it's going to be uh airing its fourth and final season coming up uh this spring um they play a married couple that kind of get into a crazy uh caper situation that kind of it, it to me basically looks like um date night with steve carell and tina fey specifically but it's directed by michael showalter who directed uh kumail in um the big sick so i hope that maybe at least it'll be fun because date night was kind of a disaster and it wasted a lot of really fun cameo roles from uh a lot of really big name actors that became distracting after a while but this looks like it it might be a fun time it also uh is going to be playing at south by southwest um i even kind of like the poster like i like that it's not just like simply a photoshop poster it looks like an actual kind of graphic poster of them kind of getting into shenanigans yeah i mean i wasn't 
I, I, I don't know. This looks kind of generic to me. Like, I, well, I, yeah, I, I like, said like date night, right? Yeah, and uh, or to me, even recently, like murder mystery on Netflix right. with Adam Sandler, or, or like, even even game night, right? Like game night's another one where it's like you, you some of these movies, anything with night in the title. yeah, yeah. But but the idea of like a group of friends or you know uh, a couple getting, getting caught, caught up in, in a situation, yeah. and it's usually an overnight kind of thing or a series of events lead from one ridiculous situation to another and they get in over their heads but they're able to kind of get out of it because they you know are working together and you know have this bond but they kind of are thrown into like a murder mystery or you know uh espionage or something like that it's yeah very typical yeah so i don't know i i'm hoping for the best i didn't really get much out of this trailer no but i I also like michael showalter who directed the big six so we'll see I I totally agree. Um, so yeah, I don't know what to th- what to think. Like again, uh, Stuber ended up being like okay. It was weird. Fine. Like it had yeah. weird moments in it. That so I'm hoping this is kind of like that because Michael Showalter can be very weird as well yeah. too. So um, I and Michael Douse is the same thing. So like um, just to compare Kumail recent, you know mediocre looking comedies that ended up being right. kind of okay the kumail cinematic universe <laughs> yeah, sure um so yeah i don't know i'm cautiously optimistic i guess i just i felt like i didn't laugh all that much during this trailer but i like uh kumail enough i don't i'm not super familiar with Issa Rae, but well, like, yeah i was um, saying that she was on uh hbo's uh insecure and um obviously she she announced the oscar nominations with john cho this year she's popped up in other things like the hate you give and and things like that right 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 you know like she's she's oh and um uh that uh sort of vice versa-esque movie from last year little which was not oh right 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 right, um but i like her she she, if you i like her like i liked her in the oscar um nomination yeah yeah and she's really good in uh insecure like that show is a really really funny show um and i was saying that it's on uh it's coming up to its fourth and i think final season this year so nice and then a couple uh tv trailers which we usually we sometimes go over, um, but uh, when you have uh, new shows from Alex Garland and uh, the most Alex Garland looking yeah ass show that I've trailer ever seen. I've ever seen and uh, what's his butt um, uh, <laughs> Noah Howley uh, Noah Howley uh, for Fargo. So I think have, that's how he introduces himself. Uh, <laughs> I'm what's my butt? <laughs> uh, Fargo and Devs. Uh, Fargo season four, uh, starring uh, Chris Rock, star of the uh, uh, or- organ donor. donor. Which you might hear about next week. Um, and then devs, yeah. De- where do you want to start? I think uh, we should start with devs because yeah. devs is literally like everything we've seen in the last two or, or his first two directorial efforts is thrown uh, into Ex this, Machina yeah. and uh, Annihilation. The idea of you know uh, a mystery taking place in what looks to be like a underground bunker with Nick Offerman playing the Oscar Isaac esque yeah. you know uh, mad genius and um, the the lead in the in the show I uh, uh, Sonia Mad. I can't remember her last I don't name, know, sorry, but she's in Ex Machina and Annihilation. Okay, um, and she was in Crazy Rich Asians as well. I'm going to look up her name. Uh, you can talk about what you. Yeah, thought of the I mean, again, you you mentioned it. I think it explains it perfectly. It's the most Alex Garland ass looking show. It, it looks very similar to Ex Machina. Um, about he brings these uh, developers down to uh, build this mysterious thing, right? 
Um, I don't even know how to really explain it, but Sonia uh, Mizuno. Okay, cool. Yeah, but yeah, he brings them down and he sets them down at a computer and just says, uh, "Go." And then they're like, "What do I need to do?" And he's like, "You'll understand." And then it's I don't know. It looks very you know atmospheric and 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 uh, you know. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Annihilation. Ex Machina is what it reminded me of the most yeah. of, right? But and it's very mysterious and and heady. It looks like, and uh, I think the I think the title Devs actually stands for disheveled, yeah. <laughs> because Nick Offerman does kind of look like the disheveled version of Oscar Isaac in uh, yeah in Ex Machina. And again, like he seems to be interested in like the kind of mad genius kind of toying with potential technology and, and people as well people, in general yeah. and then like the technology kind of becoming sentient or something happening around it but there is this interesting kind of murder mystery aspect that they're playing up that the lead character the, the, the sonya character is coming in and trying to figure out what happened to her her uh, partner and Who disappeared yeah right? yeah um, looks cool. And then Fargo season four, um, taking place in the fifties, correct? Yeah. And then, um, looks like, I mean, I love the Fargo TV series. I remember Nick Offerman was in that too. Um, yeah, he was. And, uh, I, this looks great. I'm, I'm excited for it. It's and, a good uh, cast. And it's, it's interesting cause you have people like obviously, you know, the titular organ donor, uh, uh, Chris Rock, but then you have Jason Swartzman in there and then Jesse Buckley, who's basically kind of playing the Francis McDormand type character or what it looks like, uh, in this, uh, in the show from, from Minnesota. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally in man. Like I loved all three seasons. And I remember first talking about this Fargo show on the old podcast and being like, what a terrible idea. Don't do this. Right. But, but again, like, I mean, it shows you that, yeah, like on paper, Paper, it kind of sounds like a horrible idea, but sometimes it can work. And I feel like this could be a similar situation with HBO's limited series of Parasite, right? Like yeah. it sounds kind of like, oh, we don't need to do this. But if you have Bong Joon Ho, you know, working on this limited series with Adam McKay, it might be something, right? I totally agree with that. Yeah. And that's why I mean, when everyone was kind of bitching about that parasite news right away i'm like come on you guys just wait and see like yeah. watchmen also sounded like a terrible i mean idea. snowpiercer doesn't like, look great no but, i mean yeah. snowpiercer didn't have any input from bong bong yeah. so yeah so he's involved in this parasite show which and he's already said that it, i mean we had a news story later but I, we can just talk about it now I yeah guess, like that he's actually he's excited for it because it, he gets to expand on some of the themes and some different things that he wasn't able to include in the film and we don't know yet whether it's like an extension of what he already did in the movie if it's going to be in english if it's going to be in korean i bet it's probably a blend of of the two right um i bet he directs uh an episode or two uh, i have a feeling he will and adam mckay will probably also do that uh, maybe they'll split it um or maybe he'll just produce i don't know but, right um but adam mckay doing really well with succession, with, with succession and, yeah, and yeah. vice and yeah so yeah who will be the next comedy director that makes a <laughs> drama and gets an academy award nomination it's a good question um because you got peter fairley todd phillips adam mckay all these guys you would not have expected 10 years ago to be where they are right now right um 
I mean, Judd Apatow has been trying. Like, you can tell, like, he's, like, with his movies, he's been trying to make them on his own terms and sort of submit them. But I feel like he would need to, like, do the 180 and make, like, a serious, like, drama. I think that's part of it, too, right? That not elevates those movies, but, um, you know, catapults them into the spotlight because you're like, that guy made that movie? Yeah. So I don't know who that would be right now who's making kind of schlock not schlocky because like i i don't I, I like adam mckay's comedic stuff and like, right i mean I but it was unexpected right yeah. it's like oh adam mckay like although i mean like the big short and vice have comedic elements it's not like they're straight dramas completely but it's like oh now we have to take the guy seriously who directed talladega nights you yeah. know like in terms <laughs> yeah. of you know that kind of comedy uh which again nothing wrong with that but it's just a different style right mm-hmm uh okay on to the news um i mean the biggest topic of the week which will probably be the headline of the episode is the oscar nominations were uh speaking of todd phillips and joker right 11 uh, nominations yeah so um bright and early this week um the oscar nominations were announced um some surprises in there but i think a lot of it we were expecting uh do you want me to quickly run yeah just run through them and we can just talk about them in general because i'm sure they've been talked about to death online already as it is we have to give our opinion yeah so uh they're the most important starting at the the biggest one of them all best picture uh we have nine nominees and they are ford v ferrari 1917 the irishman joker jojo rabbit little women marriage story once upon a time in hollywood and parasite for best director, we have Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, Sam Mendes, Bong Joon-ho, and Todd Phillips. For best actor, we have Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, and Jonathan Price for The Two Pips. Uh, best actress, Renee Zellweger for Judy, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Cynthia Arrivo for Harriet, uh, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and Saoirse Ronan for Little Women. Best supporting actor, Sorry, I'm changing. I'm, like, getting lightheaded. Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Joe Pesci for The Irishman. Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes. Al Pacino for The Irishman. And Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Supporting actress, Laura Dern, Marriage Story. Scarlett Johansson, Jojo Rabbit. Margot Robbie, Bombshell. Florence Pugh for Little Women. And Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell. Best Original Screenplay. Uh... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, Parasite, Knives Out, 1917. Best Adapted Screenplay, Irishman, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, and Two Popes. Um, I'll keep it at that. Yeah, and yeah. And then uh, we can talk about some other ones if there's something that stood out to you. Um, I guess Best Animated Film, How to Train Your Dragon, Hidden World, I Lost My Body, Klaus, uh, and Missing Link. Uh, and Toy Story 4, sorry, that uh, whatever that noise was <laughs> distracted me. Uh, it's okay. Um, so uh, your thoughts as a whole? Um, I know people always go to what they were disappointed that didn't get nominated. Right. But- I mean, I think that uh, there's, there's at least four movies in the Best Picture category this year that I actually like quite a bit. Uh, I mean, Parasite is the movie I'm obviously rooting for, and, and to see South Korea get its first six nominations ever is kind of a big deal, and you know, like I'm hoping that it'll win maybe more than just international feature film, which I think it's mostly guaranteed at this point to I win. I, um, I hope it wins Best Picture. But-, but at the same time, it's interesting because like, 
with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 1917, and The Irishman getting 10 nominations each, I wonder if someone like Quentin Tarantino is really going to campaign for director, because it seems like he wants the directing prize, or he doesn't want to just be known as a screenwriter, you know, like, because he's won enough screenplay prizes over, you know, the last... 25 odd years since Pulp Fiction, 26 now, um, that it feels almost like this is, you know, his big chance to get a directing award and to be taken seriously as yeah. not just a writer, but a writer director. Um, so I can see him campaigning really hard for that. And then, for like with The Irishman, yeah. like there's this kind of idea that, you know, Scorsese has been nominated nine, nine times for director. One once for The Departed, but in a way, like it seems like he's a guy that should have multiple Oscars, just considering his pedigree. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's a little weird. And this being maybe his last gangster film, that it would be kind of be a bittersweet note uh, to to give it to him. So that's kind of interesting. Um, no, off, no women nominated. No women nominated. I mean, for, not just uh, not, best and, director. And I feel like. Greta Greta Gerwig was probably the one that would have been nominated, but it's had the best chance. They had the best chance, but it feels like it's like we're just putting it all on Greta Gerwig, and I feel like that's not fair because there are other Mariel Heller should have been nominated. I think for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Celine Sciamma for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I mean, people that weren't Lulu Wong for The Farewell, and The Farewell being snubbed completely, Um, and then people that weren't even being considered in those categories. Someone like you know Jennifer Kent for The Nightingale. Like, there's so much. There's so many opportunities and options available that it just kind of seems a little lazy. And it's the same thing with, you know, people of color. Like, you only yeah. have uh, Cynthia Erivo, where you had so many options and, 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 and great performances, not just basing it on, like, you know, oh, we have to nominate somebody in this category because we'll look bad. We'll look like BAFTA. <laughs> BAFTA. Um, but, like, it just seems really uninspired. Yeah, I was talking with Jordan at work about this and 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 how you solve it. And you can't, I guess, because you you can't really control how your your how the academy votes and you can't really force it to be like, well, you have to nominate XYZ or you put on these rules of like, well, half the nominees have to be this, blah 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 blah. Like, I don't know how you go about doing that and doing it the proper way. And I think it'll take another It's the same thing in politics. It's the same thing in any I guess group of people that uh, vote really is like there's this old generation that is dying off that the old have, guard yeah that have their views and have the things that they like and and that don't really translate to you know a good chunk of the populace and I feel like I'm very optimistic of that it will change in the next twenty years because I think we've seen a lot of change even in the last five years right uh, well two, 2017 i mean with get out and ladybird specifically was a big deal even shape of water for what the context of that movie is about but it, it's weird it's it's always like that that saying you know uh one step forward two steps back mm-hmm. and it feels like that the academy year, for sure is like that yeah, yeah. And, and it felt like 2017 was the beginning of of that where it was like okay we're we're making a move to be more international and progressive in an interesting way and nominate movies that are not necessarily considered quote unquote Oscar films. And then between 2017 
to now, it's like, especially this year, it feels like, okay, they've, re- you know, like, yeah, Par- Parasite getting nominated is, is a, huge is, deal, is a yeah. big, big deal. But at the same time, for Parasite being nominated, I mean, still a lot of these nominees feel typical you know like this is what would be nominated or this is usually the kind of film that gets nominated you know like there's not a lot of outside the box thinking and it just feels like such a downgrade from the last couple of years and i remember even like with spike lee talking about when somebody interviewed him for you know the year that that 12 years a slave won, and he was like oh are, are, are you happy that you know that this movie won picture and that you know People are actually considering the the Oscar so white thing, and he said, "Well, you know, it's 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 a phase or a trend. Like it it happens where like every few years, every five ten years, you'll you'll get people that are quote unquote woke, yeah. and then they kind of just forget about it and then go back to their old ways, and it doesn't really change completely or doesn't change." permanently there's no permanent change yeah and i hope that we're getting to a point in where we are now as just a society and and hopefully that translates into hollywood and the academy i think we are we talked about this of like you know the four major superhero movies this year all being directed by women and like at points where we are changing in like you know in hollywood that i hope translates to our awards branches and things like that where um i think it still will take time because you have these old white dudes both in again i keep comparing it to politics but that i think that's why we've been stuck in our ways in politics for so long and these and where we keep going back and forth from and you need this generation to i never want to say this generation needs to die off but like i do think that our generation and the generation even younger than us like um, we have grown up in a way that I think is very different than that old guard. And I do think we are going to see these changes and that it, we will see a more even split with, um, you know, studios, um, giving more opportunities to, uh, uh, women filmmakers. And, 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 and again, uh, I, with the people like one person of color being nominated, right? That's awful. That, yeah. yeah. And it's even really worse bad. when it's like the character she's playing is, is Harriet yeah, Tubman, yeah. who's a freed slave. And it's yeah. like, how simple-minded is that? Yeah. Just like, and it's just, it's brutal. And again, this conversation I was having with Jordan is just like, you can't, I think it's also bad to be like, okay, well, we need to split the nominees into like, well, we have actor and actress. So yeah, it's have, segregation yeah, at that like point, Yeah, you shouldn't right? have to do that. And I mean, we've always had actor and actress, so it doesn't feel like segregation. Yeah, but then when you get the idea um, of like, um, what, what, what was her name? Uh, uh, the director of Honey Boy. Uh, Alma Harrell, yeah, yeah, talking about, like, I understand her frustration of it, but, like, separating the director category into it's two separate categories male for, for male, yeah. I, yeah, and it's just like, you only have to compete against your own sex, it just doesn't, yeah. but then you could go the opposite route and then go, why don't you just have best actor and best supporting actor, and it's it's everyone in the same thing, but then you go, okay, then, then we're at a point where it's like, if four men get nominated and one woman, right. right. And anything like that is that you've regressed essentially. Right. But then we do have these split categories where acting is no different if you're male or female, but we've just always had best actor and best actress. Right. And I think it's just to have more actors nominated in general. And I understand, but then you could be like, well, then it's just having more directors nominated. And then you could make the argument that best picture is the one where everyone competes against each other. Right. Right. So, which it kind of is. And then opening and it then, up to 10, then, well, 10 supposedly. 
Because it's a preferential ballot, right? Right. So, but then do you open up director to more, and then you? So they're not, the and they're not going to let that happen though, yeah. as well, because the DGA specifically is very strict on that kind of stuff, and like the the director's branch of the academy, which is a very male dominated branch, um, yeah, are are the true like you know stake and potato eaters you know the guys that are kind of holding up the value of like this is the type of filmmaker that we want nominated yeah so i mean that's the shitty part of it right but then i guess yeah not to be completely negative i think it's huge that parasite got as many nominations as it did um i think the saving grace for the oscars this year would be a parasite best picture win yeah um which it could happen which my ideal situation is that parasite wins best picture QT wins Best Director. Uh, I know that won't make a lot of people happy. Happy, They'll want Bong to win, probably. Right. Um, but I think you are going to get a split, and I think that's the split that could possibly happen in an I- ideal situation. Um, I, in a realistic possible situation, I think that could happen. Uh, but then I worry that we get a 1917 Joker split. With, right, because with, the other ones cancel each other out. Yeah, but I also don't think the Irishman and Marriage Story uh, will win picture. No, I do because not I don't think, think so the either. all the Academy is still on. Even though it, Netflix has done a lot better than they have every year, they do a, sl- a little bit better. Right, <laughs> but I don't think the I don't think the whole industry as a whole has As everybody will votes for it. Is, it yeah. yeah, so I think Marriage Story and Irishman are off the table when it comes to Best Picture. That's why I think it's between those four movies that I said. Yeah. and um, and if Joker wins, oh my god, that's, oh god. Twitter will <laughs> light up it? like a Christmas well, tree. They already lit up based on it getting the most nominations. Yeah, and, right? and, you know, and I know I, me and you like the movie. It's yeah. the same, we were in the same boat with Green Book last year. Yeah, uh, different, very different movies, uh, similar trajectory, I would say. And with the filmmakers involved. Right. Um, I like Joker a lot, but it is one of those movies where I'm like, I don't like the director. I don't like Todd Phillips at all. No. And, it's and I mean, the screenplay, me like, it didn't really deserve the... Like, I get the performance. I get a lot of... The, the one person I feel bad for is the production designer who didn't get nominated. <laughs> like, yeah. it's the one category... And the screenplay it, it, is the thing usually most people have the biggest issues with, yeah. right? And then... It got nominated? Yep. Yeah, I forgot. Adapted screenplay. Um, so, I just read them, but my... I can't remember what I did 10 seconds ago, but... Um, yeah, dude. I mean, Twitter will lose it, and I mean, for me, it's like... But it is also still weird that a DCEU movie has been nominated. Yeah for this many oscars right yeah. and then um i mean nightmare situation for film twitter would be um joker winning best picture and sam mendez winning best director yeah or um, vice versa yeah. or even tarantino like it seems like a, there's like it's a half and half kind of thing with tarantino he is just yeah he's divisive in the sense where you will get there's always been those people, I think. And yeah. Like, and but 1917 is such like a... A vanilla choice to Yeah, me. And, like, and I think we talked about this, but like, truly, Sam, like, it, it would bother me even more because Dunkirk was there. A better movie. Yeah, yeah. and it feels like Sam Mendes, I mean, I like Sam Mendes, but he also is kind of leeching on to Nolan a little Skyfall bit with the Skyfall this. and yeah. the Dark Knight kind of structure and then, you know the way the get like it's just a different gimmick and it's just a different war like it literally has a very similar objective and sort of a visceral in the moment kind of experience and sort of seeing what it's like in a in a war setting 
And I mean, it's the same fucking editor for both Dunkirk and 1917, although uh, Lee Smith did not get nominated for editing 1917. Right. And that's usually a sign, too. So, I mean, Joker and Parasite both did get editing nominations, right? Yeah. And then so that's usually a sign that you have a pretty good shot at a Best Picture win, because usually if you win Best Picture, you had an editing nomination. Not all the time, but like the majority of the time. So... Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll, we'll probably do a full predictions episode closer to um, to the Oscars, which is February 9th, the day after my 31st birthday. I wish um, it would just be a situation where all the nominees get into uh, a ring and just fight each Royal other. Royal Rumble style. Yeah, and just knock each other out, and whoever is left standing is the winner. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, ideal. For me, I uh, in, it's unfortunate no acting nominations for Parasite. Yeah, I was um, kind of hoping Song Kang Ho yeah. would get in there, and it seemed like at the last minute, the two popes had this I kind of surged. the two popes and and Little Women were the two movies that weren't really showing up a whole lot in the precursor awards because they were late entries, and then like with SAG, Golden Globes, I mean they they showed up some but not many, but then all of a sudden you had with the Oscars them popping up in big categories you know anthony hopkins getting nominated for supporting actor and jonathan price as well and then you know florence Pugh for for little women and scarjo having a double nominee yeah and i feel with the scarjo thing like this is this is a situation where like i think the marriage story nomination is truly deserved and i feel like she also should have been nominated many years ago for lost in translation and it feels like she should have have been nominated before like it just is like oh yeah she's a oscar nominated actor because she's a movie star but she's never been nominated but at the same time it's like you nominated her for jojo rabbit and it's not even the best supporting actress performance in that movie (laughs) in my opinion i agree thomas and mckenzie's way better yeah Yeah. (laughs) and like i like jojo rabbit quite a bit i I i'm surprised with how far it's gone yeah um because i don't think some of the emotional stuff works as well i just thought as a fun satirical take on that on that era um uh sorry i'm answering some messages from nevis but yeah i I mean the oscars are always interesting i think you're never going to make everyone happy and it's i i hate that every year it's just fucking negativity and and it happens um, so i mean that's always you're never going to make everybody happy and everyone has and to me it's uh, just like point of view that movie you like Still a good movie. Yeah. Just well, it, ultimately, it doesn't, it doesn't change. It does. Does it? Is it? Is it disheartening when a movie that you really care about doesn't get the accolade or the nomination? Sure. I I felt really bad that the farewell didn't even get a screenplay nomination, but it doesn't change the fact that the farewell is a great, a great movie, movie yeah. and it's available some now the, for people to watch. <laughs> some of know? the best movies of all time haven't been nominated for yeah. for Oscars, so it's garbage. I, pale kids. It the doesn't. Movie. I get that it it might validate your opinion on something if something that you uh or, or it gives you something to kind of root for i guess or yeah. it's, it's kind of like a sports mentality kind of sure, thinking like where it's all like, of us on board with parasite right yeah like, you know, I, team I get, parasite and and like it's and great to be on the in the bong hive but yeah. but at the same time it's weird how like i mean even joaquin phoenix kind of addressed this with the golden globes and said like it's there's no real competition between the actors or between the films per se it's just how it's this industry yeah. works right yeah. it's a little silly but um yeah. we all get caught up in it so anyways those are your oscar nominations we got tons more news which we will try to fly through here um 
Critics' Choice Awards, uh, the ceremony. You didn't go. You didn't attend this year. You did vote. Yes. Uh, how did you feel about the winners? In, in there were some things I liked. I mean, I, I'm not the biggest fan of ties, and there were two this year for directing and song, and for director like Bong Joon Ho and Sam Mendes. Who tied. did you vote for? Bong. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> So you Sam fight. Mendes. Yeah. No, I didn't say out of the two. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I voted for Bong. Like, say you voted for Tarantino, your vote would yeah, have No, 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 no. I, I voted for Bong. Like, I I try to spread the wealth, like, yeah. just in terms of, like, like just because I loved Parasite doesn't mean, like, every aspect every, yeah. of pa- Parasite is, is worthy of the win. But at the same time, I did find myself voting a lot for Parasite because... I think a lot of the aspects of that movie are great. And to go into your strategy, do you try to think about what the other people are voting for to see, or do you just vote with your heart? I try to vote a, with my heart, but I also try to think sometimes, like, it, it depends on the category. Will my vote like, be wasted, or will I help Yeah, or something? am I helping this movie? I, and sometimes I just think about, did I like it? You know, did did this work for me, or is this the best thing in the movie you know like and that becomes especially hard with categories that you maybe only liked one thing and didn't even love it like for example like best song this year was kind of weak and the song that i liked the most was from a movie that i thought was okay which yeah. was wild rose which i liked that song glasgow um quite a bit because i think Partly it's interwoven into the narrative and Buckley really delivers a, a, a great performance with that song. But other than that, I was like, yeah, there's not really like anything that I would be like completely, you know, um, putting everything on. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't one way or another on it, you know, this like, time next year, Billie Eilish is going to win an Oscar, which is crazy. <laughs> so. Maybe. I mean like the James Bond songs usually don't get nominated. The last two did though. The last two did. But other than that, when you look at the history of James Bond and they the awards, usually. they don't. But it's a trend right now. So no, I know. I, I'm not saying that it won't happen. I'm just saying that, you know, like expectations. Keep them in check. We would have thought Cats would have gotten a nomination. Too, well, that was so. disqualified on the on the the short list. Yeah, why though? I don't know. Uh, th- that branch apparently has its own problems. And the uh, and the yeah. other thing I want to quickly mention with the Oscars: how Apollo Eleven didn't get nominated for, for documentary doc- or editing. It happens with the popular yeah. movies. So the, the documentary, documentary branch, branch yeah. is fucked up when it comes to like, nominate. How dare you be popular? Yeah, <laughs> you're successful. Well, that's that's your award. We're not going to nominate Except, you. For- didn't Free Solo get nominated and win last it year? It did, but the thing was that Won't You Be My Neighbor did not get right. nominated, and that was one of the highest grossing documentaries entries of the year and so was three strangers which didn't get nominated and then it goes back to hoop dreams hoop dreams was one of the most popular movies in the 90s one of the best documentaries made in that period didn't get nominated and everybody's like that was a for sure thing like that seemed it got an editing nomination which it was deserved but it, it seemed like the documentary it was you know it's award to lose and same thing with apollo 11 apollo 11 it's like literally Objectively, you had one job, the documentary branch, and you fucked uh, up. But I also kind of like seeing Honeyland be nominated for documentary and best international film because that's never happened before either. That a documentary has been nominated for international feature. That's cool for Macedonia. There are some cool things in there. Yeah. All right, let's fly through this shit because we have company coming over like soon. Um. I just mentioned it, but Billie Eilish is going to write and perform uh, the Bond theme for No Time to Die. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with Billie Eilish, um, 
go listen to her music. I actually, there was a phase this year where I listened to her album multiple times and I'm not even a big music person, but uh, Bad Guy is probably the song that you're most familiar with, uh, which they weirdly used in a bombshell trailer, which didn't quite work. Oh, and they and also, also used it in another movie credits as well this for year. Brightburn, yep. right? Um, so I don't know. I really like her. Um, her SNL performance is really cool. Check that out. Her um, Hot Ones episode was uh, pretty Hot good. Hot Ones episode. Uh, some of her music videos are, are weird. Um, I keep saying that she's basically a Harmony Corinne character come yeah, to life. She would be great in a Harmony Corinne movie. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see what that is. Eric and I, uh, next week you'll hear a little bit of talk on Bond themes and things like that to give you a teaser. Bond um, themes or bong themes? Um... <laughs> we won't go too into detail with this, but there was a leaked script for Colin Trevorrow's Star Wars Episode Nine um, that uh, came out this week. Which usually I would be like, "That's not real." I just it came out on Reddit. Someone did a video about it, talked about all the major plot points. It was called uh, Star Wars Episode Nine: Duel of the Fates. Um, much different plot wise than what um, we got with the Episode Nine uh, that actually came out. Um, Rose Tico had a, a larger role with Finn going on a an, a, a different adventure to try and uh, get a um, a Jedi holocron, I believe, and um, didn't involve Palpatine involved a different sith lord um did you read through all the no. the points it was it was interesting but like uh, to all the people who were like oh sounds way better and i'm like guys but this have, is real right like, it is, is real okay. it's confirmed by multiple websites that like this is legitimately what colin trevorrow's script was and i have a feeling that motherfucker leaked it himself right <laughs> like he probably was like I got so much bad rap after fucking Book of Henry and I got fired from Star Wars that I believed in my script and I think it was better than what was... Because, I mean, when you see... I mean, Star Wars has had... A, we talked about it at length in our spoiler cast and other things that they've had a little bit of a rough go in the last, you know, couple years. Uh, box office-wise, obviously, the movies have performed really well. Except Solo. Um, except Solo, which performed fine. Um, but critically and uh, from reactions from the fans have been divisive, right? Or, or you're either on one way or another on a lot of the most recent Star Wars movies. So I find it interesting that Again, we had another divisive Star Wars movie, and then his script just magically leaks. Um, oh yeah, he probably did um, it himself, but had some like, third was party like, do it for him. Yeah, I'm sure he was like, I thought my script was good, and I thought it was better than what you know was put out here because a lot of the biggest complaints were that it was safe. It, bringing Palpatine back didn't make any fucking sense at all. Well, it doesn't uh, not really. So it's interesting. Like again. If you read through the bullet points of this script, it did sound kind of interesting, but I didn't have faith that Trevorrow could have executed it very well, right? right. So um, it's easy to look at a movie that you might not have enjoyed a lot of the plot details and look at another plot details and go, that's much better. You would have had people complain. If this was the version that we got, you would have had people complaining about that version as well. And if the same thing had happened where the Skywalker script had leaked Leaked, in this other world, like, whoa, fucking Palpatine would have been Exactly. People would have been going nuts. They'd been like, they would have brought back the original Dark Lord. (laughs) You know? So yeah, I don't know. Check it out. I mean, it's interesting if you're a Star Wars fan, you can uh, read there's on Reddit and different websites posted exactly kind of beat for beat what the movie would have done. There were similar elements, which is why I think he eventually got a story by credit. Right. Um, 
but uh release the trevorrow cut no fuck <laughs> uh scott derrickson exits uh doctor strange and the multiverse of madness over uh those shitty creative differences um interesting uh marvel hasn't had like this happened earlier in mar in the mcu quite often right but we were talking um, about this before our Doolittle screening that maybe because now they're introducing the disney plus shows that are also going to be tie in connecting there. to it yeah. that maybe they're going back to the you way know, that they treated the first phase where everything kind of forcing people to tie into things yeah. right and i feel like maybe scott derrickson was like this is too much you're like this isn't this isn't go- and, and also, like, WandaVision's coming this year, yeah, right? So, and, Wanda, up, and, and WandaVision's supposed to connect to the new Doctor and Strange And when you movie. don't have any creative control over that, and we even talked about Morbius earlier, and maybe that, maybe Kevin Feige said, hey, you have to include Spider-Man, and then fix all these mistakes in the Sony universe, right. and then I could see Scott Derrickson just being like, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe you guys go find someone who would be willing to do this. So, I had no problem with um, Bagul on uh, yeah. Sinister 1 and 2. <laughs> Yeah, or like the first I, sinister you only directed. But. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's fine. I, Doctor Strange is in that middle group of of Marvel movies that like I was uh, I was kind of hoping for like a full on horror movie style or, horror yeah kind of thing yeah. But Ron Howard, man, he's he's, he's available. A, yeah, he'll do it. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I don't know who they'll probably. We were talking about this too of like who they will find to jump into that spot. And you joked about Ron Howard and. I mean, I just did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I could see them finding another up and coming, you know, horror director or something like that. That's maybe made one or two, uh, smaller kind of, or maybe had a recent, the movie was okay, but it didn't perform well at the box office or something like that, that shows potential and that will be more willing, uh, to, uh, join them. Colin Trevorrow. Um, he uses he uses his Star Wars script for, yeah, for Doctor Strange. Uh, Nicholas Holt has joined Tom Cruise in the next Mission Impossible movie. Your favorite? I I, I liked him a lot in Mad Max Fury Road. But you didn't Road. like him otherwise. Right? No, but yeah. he is good in the favorite as kind of a dickhead. Yeah, so hopefully, and, and also in, that, in yeah. uh, the True History of the Kelly Gang. Yeah, that's true. He holds so, a gun I mean, to a baby. That's true. So I, I don't know. I mean, I have faith in Christopher McQuarrie, and and uh, uh, he's bringing in some interesting people into the Mission Impossible. I have faith universe. in Scientology that has faith in Tom Cruise. <laughs> God, I'm very excited for the new Mission Impossible movies. Uh, we talked about the Parasite mini or uh, limited series coming to HBO. Uh, I'm excited for that. I, I want to know more details of whether it's going to be kind of in korean or in english or if is it part of that universe we've already seen not that that needs to be a universe or if it's going to be an english language version of that story but i I don't know bong is involved and that's a good sign yeah and I, i have faith in hbo too like i mean after Watchmen, and and they let their creators kind of create really kind of not always we might be a little while off as well still like people think that it's going to happen like tomorrow but it takes time to develop a full season right yeah. so uh ruben fleischer might step in to uh direct the uncharted movie this is not gonna happen i know but and that's like the worst the worst possible person that i watch know, it does happen because it because is of it, him he yeah. is the key i mean he directed venom you know zombie land that's so unfortunate yeah. I, I like the uncharted game so much and i like tom holland a lot and uh, mark Wahlberg casting is the worst uh, I get Sam Elliott. Yeah, I, they should, dude. Um, 
National Treasure 3 looks like it might actually happen. Um, High praise. They got the uh, uh, Bad Boys for Life uh, screenwriter writing the script for it right now. So uh, we talked about this off uh, off air um, and saying, like, will it be Nick Cage? Or I'm like, he's not really, like, bankable. Like, would Disney put him in the lead in this? And we think that they'll probably either pair him with someone or this could be a Disney Plus movie. Yes, Nick Cage and Ansel Elgort in oh, no. National <laughs> Treasure 3. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> the Book of Henry. We have to steal Henry's book. Um God, there's a lot of stuff this week. Um if you ever want to talk more about something, please. Oh, uh, I just did. Flying. Yeah. National um, Treasure 3 Book of Henry. <laughs> Fox is officially dead as Disney rebrands 20th Century Studios and Searchlight Pictures. God, this is this um, is going to be frustrating on just talking about the studio because I, we, I already did it with the next episode where you know i'll be calling it fox searchlight it, it'll take time for us to just call it searchlight and 20th century and 20th studios. century studios people are like why didn't they call it 21st century studios or I don't it, know. yeah well, it's it's weird because like it's also when you look at the actual copyright it's it is 21st century yeah. fox i don't know disney doesn't want to get with the times <laughs> But I expected this to happen. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was only a matter of time. It's it's. Especially I'm actually surprised that it, it took around. this long. Yeah, especially with you think it would have just been right away. Yeah, right? I guess maybe they were waiting until this year ended because uh, Searchlight had its 25th anniversary. Yeah, and for me, it was probably like this is the Disney era of these movies. Everything before this was art. We inherited it. Yeah, and it was 20th Century Fox. So Disney's kinda, antlers. Yeah. Um. I'll be curious to see how quickly that. I think they said on downhill they already had the searchlight, the new searchlight logo on right. the poster. Yeah, because in February we have downhill and Wendy being released. Mm-hmm. Anyways, not a big deal, but no. like it's. With, I mean, it's branding. And you it doesn't, Fo- like, people don't uh, notice. Uh, Murdoch was still keeping the Fox name for his news networks and yeah. shit like that, so it didn't surprise me that Disney would want to kind of back away from that name, right? Yeah. Um, Another big one, uh, Taika Waititi looks like he might be eyed to direct a Star Wars movie after Thor Love and Thunder. So quite a while off. Right. But uh, And he's still probably developing the idea, but he has had a taste of the Star Wars universe directing the last episode of season one of The Mandalorian. Yep, which I liked quite a bit. Um, I mean, I love Taika and... um, He's the greatest uh, greatest robot nanny I've ever seen. Yeah, and uh, I hope they would let him, you know make his movie and his inject his humor into it which there was a bit of that in mandalorian and uh i just worry with the phil lord and chris miller thing that like who have a similar weird you know sense of humor um but they were working with a legacy character right so if they let taika kind of come up with an original kind of thing then maybe they're less protective over the characters and let you make your thing. Right. And Tyga so. seems like one of those guys that won't put up with the bullshit. So if it's not working for him, he will leave. Yeah. Which could happen. Yeah. And whether this is the Kevin Feige movie. He's still attached to um, Akira too, right? Yeah. So I don't know. It's one of those things where he's going to keep attaching himself to a million things. Right. And he, he just seems like he hasn't stopped working. Like he's yeah. like literally finishing up next goal wins. Moving right into Thor. Yeah, and he's still I mean, he's still obviously doing 
press and and uh, award screenings for JoJo, right? Yeah. Like he's still campaigning, so he's going from you know one movie to another, one campaign to another, and then you know is now in the midst of casting uh, Thor: uh, Love and Thunder with a potentially Christian Bale. So yeah, that's our that's a great segue. Yeah, Christian Bale. Um, I'd to be in Thor Love and Thunder. No idea who he's going to be playing or if he Batman. actually Yeah. Um uh Beta Ray Bill would be a great um character if he played it very straight. Um yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. I don't I don't know who the hell he would play, but hearing Christian Bale in Thor Love and Thunder, that sounds great. <laughs> I I would be a little bit more upset again because of like the Batman betrayal, but seeing Michael Keaton as the vulture in Spider Man Homecoming, it's like eh. at this point Comic book movies are just action films. Yeah, I you know? agree. Uh, I think I'm going to wrap it there. Yeah. The next couple ones are just whatever. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. It was a, a pretty, not a huge, beefy episode, but we got back into it. A little Oscar talk. Well, I mean, if little... you put the two episodes that we've recorded back to back together, yeah. then it does equal, what, two and a half hours? Yes. So next, uh, over three. Um, of course. Three hours and 15 minutes. So yes, next week, uh, come back for our uh, most anticipated films of 2020. Um, that will be our 58th draft next week. Um, thank you all for listening. If you like this, uh, please go check out our other channel, which is called Untitled Movie Reviews, where Eric and I, for 20, 25 minutes, minutes uh review new release films our newest reviews up right now are bad boys for life and Doolittle. um please go check those out uh, uh rate those uh s- subscribe to those channels share this uh channel with your friends uh rate this channel we would really appreciate it um i don't think i have anything else uh follow our instagram account which is untitled underscore cast uh you we are also on twitter with the same name and we're also on facebook if you have uh, grandparents and parents that want to follow us because <laughs> uh, that's who uses facebook i think yep, um, my grandmother sure does i'm rambling uh as always my name is matt Rohrbeck, and you can find more of my work around the interwebs but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and uh, you can follow me on all of the social medias at matt Rohrbeck. i'm usually bumming around uh twitter and letterboxd and i'm eric Marchin. you can find more of my reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at em6211 twitter instagram letterbox are the main ones and yeah as matt said please you know like subscribe rate us comment um get in touch with us if you want to uh if you want us to answer any questions um about movies topics that kind of thing we always appreciate that stuff tweet at us yes that's where we are all right until next time jared leto is morbius god he sucks (laughs) 